up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and you guys listen to episode 559. Don't know what that means uh, when it comes to the video uh, since I've been doing a pandemic. Probably 100 and something, whatever. Um, but I hope everybody's doing good. I hope everybody's been doing good in between shows. Took a uh, week off because of a crazy schedule. Your boy's doing some acting, guys. You're going to see your boy up on the screen on a cool series coming out. I can't really talk about it, but I'm in the season finale of something pretty fucking cool. So I've been doing that. Uh, I want to thank everybody, all the Verzi effectors out there. You know who you are, past and new and old and whatever. If you just joined on, whatever. Uh, thank you all for the amazing, amazing um, outpouring of positive comments on the in-studio podcast I did with Bobby Kelly. You guys saw the clips, the Dunkin' Donuts. I got that fucker. I knew it was six hash browns. He tried to get me on that, but I want to thank all of you guys who watched that, liked it. I will be in studio next week. Um, definitely doing one podcast with somebody, but I'm going to try to bang out two so you guys are, uh, so we I get it through the, the new year because so many things are shutting down. Studios are shutting down. So I'm going to try to get a couple of guests in there, but we're definitely going to be in there next week. So uh, you guys got me solo now. I hope the same amount of people listen. I hope the same amount of people like. Keep those comments coming. Thank you so much. Uh, the Verzi Effect continues to grow. Um, this podcast was audio for so many years, just me shooting the shit audio-wise. Um just was like a habit, something I did. And now the show is really, really growing. And uh, people are watching on YouTube now. People are finding out about it because of my Netflix special. So um, we were going to rebrand and change things just because I did it on audio for so long. But you know what? We are going to stay the course with the Verzi effect. We're not changing the name. We may change the number of episodes on video. We don't know, but whatever. You guys listening to 559. Thank you. Get the Verzi Effect everywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all that shit. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're 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 growing and it's because of you guys. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, if you're a hater, fuck you. Don't listen. Go listen to the next podcast. Go fucking troll them. Anyway, no reason for me to say that. You guys are getting me on a good day, and you guys are getting me in a good mood because today. Or last night was um, one of the most stressful, long. Now, I'm very happy. It was a great day, but I had to wake up early. Not too early, but I had to. I didn't get much sleep. I had to go on set. I had to act with like serious actors. And I love acting, but like you got to be on point when you're sitting next to somebody that you think could win a fucking Oscar in the field. Like it's nuts. And then I had to get in the car. I'm going to tell you guys what I did last night. It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild, okay? Um, for all you guys out there, man, I want to be a comedian. That seems awesome. It is awesome, and you should do it if you're capable. But it's not all great sometimes. Um, I had a gig last night, a private gig, in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, at a very private club. And I basically, I'll give you the short of it. I had to go on stage and I had to perform for 90% men, 
ages 40 to 80 and they're all in tuxedos and they're all fucking millionaires. And there's like a handful of women and just men who are just rich, uh, drinking scotch, smoking cigars, and I got a monkey suit on and uh, they want you to sit with the president of the club before you perform. You know, it was almost like, bring us a clown. <laughs> bring us a clown. And then we're going to make him, he's going to eat with us. And we're going to have him amuse us for, for an hour. That's what this shit was. And uh, got through it. Had a good time. Offended a couple people. Said a couple words, I think, out of the whatever people were there. I think there was probably, I would say, maybe less than 5% of the people were offended. Less than 5% of the people, which, okay, from what I've heard, everybody was very, very happy. It happens. What can you do? Um, but it was stressful to go from a movie set or a television series set in New York to two and a half hours to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, in a tuxedo to have dinner just to wait to go on. Hope they like you. Uh, other comedians have done it, whatever. But guys, my year is pretty much done, okay? Yes, I'm going to be doing podcasts, and I'm going to be doing some business stuff behind the scenes and all that. But as far as, um, you know, leaving my family or hopping on an airplane anytime soon, uh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I'm really excited about that. Excuse me. I have a little bit of a cold, um, but I feel better. Actually, no, I don't have a cold. Everybody else in my family had a cold and I'm trying to avoid the cold. So it's one of those things. Everybody's getting the flu. I'm not. Uh, I remember some of you guys were writing in to me saying, Paul, you seem like you get sick a lot. Your voice, you lose your voice a lot. And yes, that was the case. What it was, was I was having acid reflux problems. I went to the ear, nose and throat doctor. He hooked me up something. And guess what, guys? It's all good. Got another funny story for you. I'm on stage. By the way, I want to thank everybody who came out to the Fairfield Comedy Club on Saturday night. I did two shows at the Fairfield Inn um, Hotel and I did two shows. I want to thank all the fans that come out. It's a small, very small, small, intimate venue. It's not far from my house. So I love to go work out some new jokes. It was amazing, except for the, you know, couple of drunk with the one drunk woman. Of course, there's always one. But other than that, it was fantastic. But I'm on stage and I'm performing. I get off stage and I'm waiting in between shows. And somebody says, hey, there's somebody that says he knows you, wants to talk to you. So I'm like, I don't know if it's a fan. I don't know what it is. I go out there and it's my ear, nose and throat doctor. So shout out to my doctor. I don't know if he wants me to mention his name. Shout out to my doctor. Um, I'll say MB, his initials, MB. Shout out to MB. Thank you for coming out. It was so cool to just have like my ear, nose and throat doctor. Like this guy literally is shoving things in my throat. This guy did my septum. This guy's checked my ears, this guy, the whole thing. And now he's at my show and he goes, oh, you sound good. You sound like you figured it out. So um, that was cool. It's weird though. When you perform local, people just show up like, yeah, I went to high school with you. Like I went to, but you were in my elementary. Like that shit does happen. Um, you'll be sitting there and like, I've heard stories of old teachers coming out. I've heard all kinds of stories like that. So it's pretty, um, it, it's not nerve wracking because this is what we do. But when you're performing and somebody, like imagine you're at your job and somebody that you haven't seen in forever is just, and you're like saying shit. Like, it's not like they're coming to your job, your restaurant. They go, hey, I was your teacher. 
nice. The chicken parm was great. No, like they're coming to my job and I'm like talking about like what's going on in the world. Um, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit nuts, but, uh, I want to thank everybody who, um, who came out to that. And, uh, yeah, man, I am going to be home with my kids. I'm coaching basketball. I am coaching my, uh, my little girl's basketball team assistant coach. And I got to tell you, I'm having the time of my life. It is so cool to, to talk to the girls, interact with the girls and, um, yeah, just like get them excited, get them confident in themselves. You know, you don't think you're going to take the shit seriously. And then the next thing you know, you're like, you know, time out, time out, ref, come here. Like, and you're, I'm going like, what am I? I couldn't imagine the pressure of being a real coach. Like if you give a shit on the level that we do in fifth and sixth grade, I couldn't imagine being a head coach of like a top program that everybody's looking at under a microscope. I couldn't, I, I would just be like, like I remember being in high school and the high school, the old high school basketball coach said he used to lose sleep. He couldn't even sleep the night before games. And it was like, that's how much of a, cause you live with it. Cause it's almost like that's your loss. As much as you take the win, it's also a, an L that you got to take. You got to take that loss. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of glad I'm the assistant because being the assistant, I can just, you know, I, I don't, I'm there, I'm there to help. I'm there to support. I'm, I'm definitely going to take the wins and losses with the coach. I mean, it's our team, but like it's, it's dude, it's like, it's intense. It's intense. And my, and my, uh, the head coach, shout out to my boy, Bill, um, his son is best friends with, with my, uh, my son, Lucas, but, uh, he's so cool. He's a a former cop and just a great guy and just so good at, uh, we just have such a good time together, but it's funny how like you start planning shit. You'll be like, all right, guys, guys, get in here. This is going to be the inbounds play. Okay. We got to get this right. And like girls are looking at the ceiling. They're like waving at their mom and dad. They're just, you know, looking at their nails and you're like, no, you got to box around, like box them out. They don't know fucking box out. You know, I think one girl was like, what's a layup? <laughs> and then there are some girls that are insane there are some girls that are insane but um by the way speaking of women's basketball how about so Brittany Griner gets back uh to the United States and is it me tell me if I'm wrong maybe I just been traveling and I've been working and I haven't seen it but did anybody really give a fuck like I thought when that happened you were gonna see the plane land you were going to see her getting out. You were going to see her wife embrace her. Is the WNBA that not interesting that they were like, oh, my God, like a prisoner from of ours is back from Russia that we thought was going to be there for nine years. That's a basketball star in this country that had weed or CBD oil, whatever it was. And they're they're coming back with an exchange from an arms dealer. And they were like, yeah, she's back. All right, put the World Cup on. Like, that's how much nobody gave a shit. Am I the only one thinking nobody gave a fuck? Because they just showed a picture of her, like, on the plane. And she didn't even look that sad, like, happy to be. She was just like, yeah, I'm going home. Like, I would be, like, were they treating her good there? Guys, tell me. Well, am I missing something here? I don't understand why that wasn't bigger. 
It was talked about on all these platforms, all these shows, all these podcasts, all these news channels. And then it finally happens where she gets released and it came and went like that. I saw something like the other day that just scrolled and said, uh, Brittany Griner does first basketball workout since being held in Russia. Like there's not even, they're not even talked like maybe I'm sure there's going to be a 60 minutes or something I'm hoping, but like, I got to hear more. Or is it just nobody really does it? Anybody, you know, dude, if that was, could you imagine if that was one of our NFL stars, NBA stars, LeBron James, my God, that was LeBron James. You know, if that was Shaquille O'Neal, even retired, like if that was somebody like that, I mean, holy shit, nobody cared. Now they want WNBA players to get the same money. I don't want to sound like a broken record if you saw my special nocturnal admissions, but the truth is, guys, I I just I don't know if you deserve the same money if the same amount of people are not trying to get you. I don't think it has anything to do with sex. It has nothing to do with being a man or a woman and having equal pay. I'm not against women having equal pay. But if the same amount of people aren't paying to see it, then there's the money's not there. You know, the reason why the basketball money is there is because, I mean, Madison Square Garden is sold out every game, even when the Knicks don't win. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money to give. WNBA game looks like a fucking high school basketball game. And, and people want equal money. You can't get equal money. Everybody in the NBA could dunk. Two women could dunk. Or, or, you know, there's you notice there's no dunk contest in the WNBA. You want to know why? Because even the ones that can dunk do it like your, you know, your old uncle who could do it back in the day and now he still thinks he can, so he just goes off his toe and, like, puts it in and he, like, holds the rim too hard and it fucks up, but it still goes in and everybody claps. That's what a WNBA woman who can dunk does. Nobody wants to see it. That's why there's not a dunk contest. You don't see it, you know? What they should do, and this is not being disrespectful. I know a lot of people aren't going to like this. Have a dunk contest in the WNBA. Lower the hoop to what they can do genetically. Or what they, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why on golf courses, there's the ladies' tees that they tee off from the red box. When the men, they tee off either from the black, blue, or white. It's just based on strength. It's just based on, it's not, it's nothing against anybody. It's just what you can do. It's why when younger kids play sports, the field is smaller or the hoop is lower or they move closer to shoot. That's not being disrespectful, but I think that what the M what the WNBA could do, and I know this sounds like I'm being rude, but I'm not. I think what the WNBA could do, I know I said this in a rude way about it when I got angry in my special about the a woman getting mad at me for talking about the WNBA. But in all seriousness, if you took a 10-foot hoop in the WNBA and you even put it to nine or you went a little lower and you, I mean, how sick would it be to watch a female, a, a, a WNBA star through the legs dunking? That would be nuts. That would probably make, you know, make a, uh, What's it called? That would probably make more people watch. I would love how nuts would that be watching a dunk contest where everybody in the sport could dunk, you know? So I don't understand like how you could get even pay if performance and all of that stuff isn't the same. 
you know, that it just doesn't, it's almost like a NASCAR. If there was another NASCAR league where like the cars just didn't go as fast or whatever, and it was, well, then if it's not to that performance, why would those people get paid the same? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but there's this big thing of like people should get paid the same when if it's just not the same entertainment. That's all. That's all. I don't know if that's if I just I, I feel like uh, standards need to be, you know, standards need to be. Or I guess if people say it's a double standard, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just it's just about what capability is. That's it. What capability is. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is nobody really seemed to give a fuck that Brittany Griner came home. I, I thought it should have been a bigger story. I thought she, sh you know, she should have come home. You know, I, I didn't think that she should be imprisoned for. And I, I know people were like, oh, the trade wasn't even. I don't even know anything about that. All I know is um, somebody from the United States who goes to Russia and gets caught with weed or whatever they have. I don't I don't think should be in jail for nine years. Uh, I don't. And I think that it was more of a fuck you to us and a game with us for a little while than it was real because there's a lot of bigger fish to fry than a WNBA player with some weed. That's that's how I think. I don't know. Um. Anyways, so and maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Should they lower the hoop? I guess if they lower the hoop, does the sport change? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't. I would just want to, I just want to see a, a WNBA dunk contest. I just want to see a WNBA dunk contest. I want to see somebody go through the legs, just yoke it, scream from the foul line. It'd be insane. I'm telling you right now, if there, if there was a WNBA dunk contest, I think that that does big numbers. I think that that does big, big numbers. Um, if the dunks can be equal to what the NBA uh, dunk contest is, that'd be sick. Uh, what else do uh, what else is going on, guys? The World Cup. Holy shit, am I into soccer? I'm into soccer. I want to say this on the podcast. I take back everything. I've I've went on rants on this show, where I have said on this show, it just I'm sorry, it's just not high speed. The 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 field is too big. The 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 goal is so big, nobody scores. All of those things, and I want to apologize to all the soccer fans listening to this. Um, I'm not going to call it football yet, so relax, people in England. But I take back everything that I ever said about soccer sucking. I take back everything that I said about it being boring and that it would never be big in our country. Um, I think it's been an amazing, amazing thing to watch, seeing the pride, seeing the people crying as ridiculous and silly as that is to burst out crying over something that you'll have a chance for in four years. I mean, let's be honest. Some of these guys cry like that. Somebody they love died. It's a little wild, but, but that being said, the national pride that people have to the point where they're holding their sons and daughters and grandfathers and fathers are all hugging and crying or, or cheering, crying. Some people are going like this and you feel, you see that it's everything. They've probably been talking about it for four years and every goal or missed goal or missed attempt, all of those things matter. You see a penalty shot missed and people are so devastated. I'm almost like, I got to be honest though, watching that, fuck being a soccer player in a big moment, especially if like you're a scorer 
or you're somebody that gets goals and then you miss one in a big moment or you miss a penalty shot. And then for four years, like you're like, you go from a national hero to like talked about as like a national disgrace. Like, I don't know who needs that pressure. Shit. You know, I, as a comic, we got pressure being funny that night, but then the next night we get to go again. You imagine missing uh, uh, a goal. What's his name? Harry Kane. That guy's great. And that guy missed a penalty shot. He's also the guy that scored the goal to get him, keep him in the game. But then he missed a penalty shot. And they're just talking about how he's like going to have to deal with that for four years. And he's getting old. It's like, and the whole country's thinking about talking about, it. it's like, fuck that dude. And I'm, I'm spiteful. So I would go in the press conference and be like, fuck you. I was the one that I was the one that got the goal. We're here because of me. Let's 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 be honest here. We're here because of me. Okay. So all you people aren't as good as me. I'm sorry. I tried to put it up on the right hand side. I tried to put it under the ball crossbar. You know, I tried to go top shelf, whatever they call it. The thing sailed over. Fuck you. Okay. We got into the World Cup because of me. I'm the one keeping us in the World Cup games. I got the goal early on in the game where all you guys are screaming for me. So what? I fucked up. I missed it. Fuck you. You guys are lucky I come back. Now, see, I would, I would be, I would, they would call me a hothead. I would be like, like the Kanye West of if that. Well, I, I mean, obviously, hold on, let me, uh, let me pull back on that. Without the anti-Semitism, guys, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the saying, "Oh, he's crazy, and he's got to watch what he's." Because I would just, I would go from like, "Yeah, I'm a national hero," to just talking shit to everybody, including people in my own country, if they wanted to talk shit. So, you know. Kanye probably it's a tough uh, example to use right now. It's a tough analogy to use. Anytime somebody goes in and is just like, yeah, Hitler did some good things. You're like, all right, man, take care. As soon as dude said that, it's just like hand him his. <laughs> as soon as he said that, when, when, when Alex Jones was like, you know, Alex Jones was like, I mean, I don't think you mean that. And he was like, yeah, it was like, all right, man, just care, man. It's over. It's over. You watch the death of a, you watch the death of a, a career. Really? You watch the Kanye West careers. It's, it's, I couldn't imagine. And whether he's saying it out of spite or not, whether he believes what he's saying or not, that's irrelevant. <clears throat> you can't come back from shit like that. You just can't say, you know, you can't be like going like, no, no, Jeffrey Dahmer, man, he's a good kid. He's a good guy, man. He did a lot of good things. It's like, you're people like, what? You're like, he killed and ate people. He like manipulated people and cut their hearts out. No, no, he trust me. He <clears throat> should be a street named after him. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't want to sound like that old guy on a podcast here, but we are uh, when they say like we're living in those times. It's uh, pretty wild what's going on right now in the world, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we got a president that doesn't know where the fuck he's at. We got, we got. Uh, I just saw something in the news. I don't know what it was. I just said like Biden and I don't, I don't, I can't probably shouldn't comment on this because I don't know the whole story, <clears throat> but I just saw something like Biden invites drag queen. And it was this guy with like assless chaps and fishnet stockings and lipstick on. And I'm just going like thinking back in the day, like, could you imagine Richard Nixon or like one of those presidents, Teddy Roosevelt, just having like, <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like, it's not even like anything against, 
if somebody wants to put on fishnet stockings and high heels, but like having your ass exposed, like there's something funny to me about having your ass exposed on the White House steps. Just like, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Oh, shit. I mean, we got a president that doesn't know where he's at. We got, I mean, we got celebrities talking about Hitler doing the right. We got, I mean, it's just, it's over, guys. It might be over. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but like, I somebody said that it's not going to turn around for 100 years, that we're going to go through this really weird thing right now where all of this division and, and everybody, you get insulted for words. You don't even know what to say. What can you say without getting in trouble? All these different things. And then, um, you know, you, I don't know. I don't know. But that sucks if it's 100 years because I have children. And I'm sure people listening to this have children. So it's up to us to shield and guard and let them be logical. Think about like the job of a parent right now is harder now than any other time in the world, I think, as a parent. I know this is an easy time in life, right? We have access to so many things. Technology brings food to your front door. Your cars can drive themselves now, and that's going to get better. Um, you know, shopping comes to your door. So life is easiest now as far as, you know, being a consumer, doing all of those things. Life is the easiest now. But as a parent, and I really believe this, as a parent, this has got to be some of the most challenging because your kids are hearing so drastically different sides to what life is going on in life and society. It's such a polarizing divide that your kid will come off the bus and go, well, I heard this teacher say this, but I heard this say this. I heard this. And you as a parent, if you're not a lazy piece of shit, you have to sit down with your child and you have to say, look, um, you know, in life, you're going to hear things from both sides. You have to listen to everybody. You have to understand what everybody's trying to say and try to put yourself in their shoes. There is right and wrong. This is what's right and this is what's wrong. And I'm telling you that as a parent, um, try to be logical, really protecting your children from all this stuff that's going on and telling your children, no, that that's not right. And if they're normalizing that, that's not right. Or that is right. And people that are saying it's not and saying that it's crazy, they're wrong. Like you got to do that as a parent and sit down because if you just let your kids go now, you know, if you just let your kids go and say, oh, yeah, I'll see you later, that, that you know, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know if you could trust every school. I don't know if you could trust your children going to schools now and, 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 and without you being a parent butting in, without you going to the teacher and going, what's exactly going on in this room? What's, what's exactly being taught here? What, what are my kids, you know, what's my kid going to learn with you? Um, and I'd like to know, and, and also being an active parent and talking to your children when they come home from school and say, what's going on? What did you learn today? Put your phone down and talk to me about your day. You know, if you're not doing that now, you're fucking up. You know, you really, you really are. I'm doing something in my new hour about how, if you don't like the same team as your father, your father fucked up. If you don't like the same sports teams as your father, your father fucked up and it's really hitting people hard and different. They're thinking about it. And I mean, I mean it, but, and again, man, this may seem corny cliche, but like, if you're not talking to your children and letting your children know what's up, 
and what's right and wrong. And to be a logical, free thinking, normal person, you're going to lose your children. You're going to lose them to everything in the craziness that's going on in society. And I believe that a hundred percent, you know, um, it's, a uh, it's, it's wild what our children are seeing on TV and hearing from every perspective. It's just, it's not, it, it's not what it once was where, you know, uh, people can have differences, but still be able to talk and communicate. Now it's like screaming at the people and protesting and screaming you're the enemy. Um, you know, like it's some kind of, it's like a verbal civil war is what it is. You know, it's like nobody's going to run around and, and hopefully kill each other, God forbid, and have like a real war. Um, but it's like a verbal civil war, what's going on. And you are on one side of that, you're a red coat or not. And uh, we got to teach our kids, man, because I'll tell you something right now. If I find out that anything in my child's school is being taught to them that is one-sided and and pushing an agenda and a bias towards my children, uh, just constant, uh, they're out of the school. 100% they're out of the school because, uh, and this is not, this has nothing to do with politics. This has nothing to do with anything other than children being taught a bias with an agenda from an institution. That's what I'm talking about. If the institution has an agenda and they're pushing it on my child and I feel that come home, my child is out of the fucking school. And it's going to go to a school where guess what? They're going to learn. And it's free thinking and learning. And that's it. Free learning. You're going to learn things. You're going to learn about history. Facts. Not what some professor thinks. Not what some other professor thinks. Not when two people are, you know, trying to push their shit on you. No, no, no. It's going to be, this is the book. This is what happened. I learned it. Great. I'm going to take a test on it. And I'm going to pass the test. Or I'm going to fail the test. I'm going to figure out how to do better on the next test. That's, that's what it is. And if not, fuck you. Taking my kids out of school. I actually, the older I get, the more I believe in homeschooling too. You know, it's almost like what would be cool is if there was a way to like, I don't know if you could mix homeschooling and then find ways to socialize, like have like the people that are homeschooled go to like social things. I don't know. But the homeschooling thing to me now is starting to feel more uh, appealing in some places. But we'll find out because I'm finding out that some districts are a lot different than others. You know, um, we had something happen in our district that I can't really talk about on on the show. Um but it was a disgrace what happened and it took away a tradition. It took away a beautiful tradition. Um, but I could be in trouble for talking about it. And I, I can't mention anything of, of um, you know, where I am and, or, or where I live and, and the school district and what happened. But let's just say that there was a beautiful tradition that everybody loved. And um, one lunatic, one lunatic went and complained and because of fear, um, because of fear, the school, uh, one of the schools here decided to fold and changed a years, years, years long tradition of uh, a beautiful thing because of one lunatic because they were scared. And it's something that's unforgivable, I think. I think it's an absolute fucking disgrace. And, um, you know, luckily my kids aren't, aren't uh, you know, they've moved on from that school and, and all that stuff and, and that person. But, you know, it's it's really a, a disgrace. And then uh, going back to what I was saying, you have to then tell your kids why it's a why it's a disgrace and what happened and what you needed to do 
uh, what, you know, why you needed to make moves or change and why it was wrong or, or whatever. That's what it is. You got to just say, like, why is this not happening anymore? Everybody loved it. And you need to sit down and really let them know. Because if you just let that happen, or if you let the the why it's not there anymore creep into your children, then all of a sudden you're planting seeds that you don't want. Uh, hey, you don't want those seeds grown, okay? Um, so there you go. Um, I uh, And I'm trying to, man, if I'll be honest with you, Verzi Effect listeners, I really, you know, it's crazier the busy the busier I get in my career and the more that my career uh, moves in a positive direction, the more I want to make sure I'm not missing things at home, the more I want to make sure that I'm, I'm around for my kids, the more I want to make sure my kids' memory of me is being there, being at their games, talking to them, uh, being their dad and 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 uh, being a, a better dad, a better husband, all all that stuff being home and being around that. And, and, and part of the thing I said, I think is a part of that to just see what's going on in their lives and to see that they're coming up the right way. And I'm very fortunate that my kids are, um, you know, doing what they're doing. And I will say that I'm very fortunate that my, you know, my wife is a strong, smart woman and my kids can look at her as an example of, of hard work and cool, you know, just a cool down to earth, level headed, logical, uh, person, you know? So, uh, it all starts at home, man. If you're, there's nothing sadder than talking to somebody that is clearly damaged and fucked up, and then you find out what their parents did to them, and it makes all the sense in the world. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I I want to bring back something I talked about on the show, but like Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, like dissecting dead roadkill with him, taking roadkill, and then bringing it into their garage. And like dissecting it and like taking out the organs and doing that in the garage, those two doing that with like a dead fucking possum uh, might have something to do with him doing shit to people later. It, it's, you know, when you mess up somebody that's already messed up and already has issues, you know, instead of going to therapy and a ball game, the guy was like, yeah, take that dead fucking possum and let's cut its head off and see what you know let's take its lungs you know so it's like and then the father's crying going i hope i didn't contribute to that well it's like you well you kind of did contribute to it you kind of did because i'll be honest with you if somebody said to me growing up or if if i heard of somebody going yeah man my uncle or dad we were driving and we saw a dead uh you know raccoon we just took it to the garage and cut it up. It smelled bad, but it was fascinating. I'd be like, you and your uncle or dad are fucked up. You understand that, right? Like there's that's there's something clearly wrong with that. Um, yeah. And it goes back to if you root against your father's sports teams. I believe that. I believe that. Um, so I'm gonna talk about that on stage. So I don't want to talk about it too much, um, too much here. But uh I'm home for the holidays. I'm excited about the holidays. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it was, it was a lot, but it was a great year. It was a great year. And I'm very grateful. I got to do a lot of amazing things this year, man. I really did. And, uh, not saying that to ever, ever, um, gloat or be arrogant on my show or in life. And if you guys listen to the show and know me, that's not me. Uh, I'm telling you guys that cause you guys are the ones that supported me and you guys are the ones that came out to my shows and stuff, but to do a, a movie, uh, a TV series, um, a Netflix special, 
um, to, to sell out in Europe and go to London and do shows out there and, and to just do all of those things and some really cool stuff in the works, man. Uh, it all starts at, from you guys coming out to shows, telling people about me. I run into fans all the time and they're like, man, I put so many people onto you. You know, I put so many people onto you and I appreciate you. And uh, I told people to watch your special. It all starts here. It all starts here, man. This is the groundwork. And uh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate everything uh, that you guys have done for me. And uh, man, I got some really cool stuff. I really hope to see you guys at, um, I really hope to see you guys at Gotham Comedy Club on uh, February 2nd and 3rd. I'll be Gotham Comedy Club uh, February 2nd and 3rd. February 2nd to Thursday. And then I'm doing two the following Friday. So 2nd and 3rd. Um, if those... I don't know if we're going to be able to add a Saturday because I don't know what they have scheduled, but I'm sure we would, might have a chance if we sell everything out. Um, but uh, just, you know, let everybody in the New York, New Jersey, Tri-State area know I'll be there. And I'm kicking things off in Toronto, Canada. Let's go. Toronto, the, the Royal Theater. Um, I will be there. Tickets are already being sold right now. Is January 28th. So it's a while away, but uh, it is basically the, um, yeah, the end of January, the beginning of, of, of 2023. So you could get tickets to that as well. And I have a ton of dates uh, coming up. We got, and people are saying, well, come here, come here. Well, I'm finally coming to Denver on April 16th. Valentine's Day, Pittsburgh, get your tickets. Tickets are being sold. These are all only one-nighters, guys. And then I have Salt Lake City coming up. I have uh, Tampa, Side Splitters in June coming up. Um, more dates are being added. I have Rhode Island, uh, Providence, Rhode Island coming up to comedy connection all around paulverzi.com. So you can, um, check those, uh, check those out as well. But, um, yeah, I'm, I got, I'm hoping Morocco wins. I got my money on Morocco today. Okay. Do I like Morocco and, and am I from there? Do I, no, I'm not. Do I know anybody from Morocco? M maybe I don't know, but Am I taking it because the odds are incredible? And if Morocco wins, I win a lot of money. Yes, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm doing it. You put a little bit of money on Morocco. That's what I do in the World Cup. Take a team that's got like no fucking chance and put 50 bucks on them. You win thousands. It's incredible. <laughs> you take, um, and shout out to the men's, uh, U.S. men's national team for getting getting to the, the 16 and, you know, kind of trying to hang with some teams for a while. They were hanging with teams, you know. Um, I don't know if they could beat a team like Argentina or Brazil yet, but they hung with England. I think they played better. I think that uh, if they would have been better in the box against the Netherlands, look at me talking in the box. I don't even know. I don't know anything about fucking soccer. Now I'm sitting here. Yeah, if they would have been better in the box. Tell you what, if they would have done their job in a box, but I don't even know what that means. I just know that the box is literally the box that's around the goal, and we got beat in that area against the Netherlands. Or at least that's what I heard. And then I watched it and I go, that makes sense because they're all in the box. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, guys. You know that. But uh, I, I'm enjoying watching it. So there you go. I mean, um, and we're going to do some, uh, we're going to do, like I said, we're going to try to do two guests on the Verzi Effect. Try two guests a month. I don't know why I just turned into a radio DJ. There. We're going to do two guests a month. And then we're going to. Here's Sledgehammer by Peter Gabe. Uh, <laughs> uh, dude, I'll tell you guys a cool story about yesterday. Okay, I'll give you guys a little inside baseball, then I got to get out of here. Am I allowed to? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Okay, I can't say the name. 
but there's an actor who's a monster actor. And he was in a uh, he was in a big movie, a movie that got nominated for something. And he's also in a monster TV series that involves karate. He is also in another show that if I say the name, you'll know who it is. But anyway, I'm acting next to this guy yesterday. Okay. Give you guys a cool Verzi effect story. You know, I'm sit like I go on set, right? And it's pretty nuts when you look at the list of the cast of that episode and you see your name and then you see like somebody that you're like, that guy is like a professional actor in like the biggest shit always. And you walk in and I had shot another scene in this TV series. I shot another scene a week before. Last week I shot something. So apparently these actors saw it. They were like looking at cuts of it before I came in, just looking at scenes. So I guess somebody goes, oh, look at this scene we did with with Paul Verzi. He was coming up to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And these monster actors are looking at it, right? So I show up to set and acting doesn't get me like nervous, like stand up, big show, stand up, but because it's two different types of nervous. With stand up, it's more excited because this is what I do, right? You want to make sure that you kind of do the jokes you want to do or the new jokes you want to talk about. But it's like a nervous, it's like an excited nervous with stand-up. It's like, I'm the director in stand-up. I'm the producer in stand-up. It's my show. I say what I want. I do what I want. There's no, it's my show. It's my production. It's me. Grab a microphone. I do whatever the fuck I want. I got no boss. When you do acting, it's a different nervous. It's not like an excited, oh, this is going to be fun. I want to make sure. It's like, kind of don't fuck up. Like, know your lines. Figure out how to say your lines the way you want to say them and just be prepared. And then you're like, okay, I got it, right? And this is a true emotion that I went through with, with any acting. And, and it, it's changing now because I'm getting more familiar. But like you go, uh, this is some inside shit. So I hope you're enjoying it. If not, if you tuned out, whatever, fuck you. But this is, if you're in, interested in acting or any or how it works with a comedian on a set. But so um, in my trailer, and when you show up to your trailer, right, You when you first get on the lot, you go to costume. They make sure that you're dressed with how you want to be dressed or how the, the director wants you dressed. Then you go to makeup and hair. Uh, I don't have hair, so that's not a problem. They say that I have good skin and, and young skin, so the makeup is really fast. So usually when I'm there, there's not like a whole crazy thing I need to do. They put the makeup on. I'm dressed the way I want. And then I just go in the trailer. They're like, we'll knock on the trailer when you're ready to be taken to set. And I'm sitting in the trailer and they have a little, they have the script in the thing. So you can go through the whole day, the whole script, what you're going to do. And you get it. And you're good. You're like, I'm good. I got it. I got it. I got my lines. I'm dressed the way they want. I'm going to go there. Director's going to let me do it a few times. So I feel like, got it. We're good. But then there's one element that comes in that's another level of like, oh, shit. And that you got to block out and be like, I still got to do my shit. And that's who you're working with, right? So then you walk in and you start seeing big, like you start seeing big actors. And you're like, oh, shit, dude. If this And this one dude, and I'll be able to talk about it after the 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 show airs. But this dude comes up to me 
and he's this big actor I was talking about. And he goes, he goes, uh, oh man, I know you. I know this guy. And he just puts his hands out and he shakes it. And he was like, I was watching your, the scene you did last week, really funny. And I was just like, what? That's the coolest shit ever. And then I'm sitting, our scene is I'm like sitting next to this dude. And then I find out when I leave set and my scene is done, he was singing me praises when I left. So somebody hits me up and goes, hey, man, so-and-so was just talking about you, like about how good you were or something. And I was like, what? But there's a flip side to that. Sometimes you could go on and feel ready and prepared and you go and the person's either a cold or a dick or doesn't give you anything. And another thing I learned about um, acting is some actors are cool and love that it it's like comedians can do it and other actors don't like it that like we kind of get things because they say well i remember george carlin said something where george carlin said acting comes easier to comedians but that was not the case with him he goes it wasn't the case with me is very uncomfortable like and and i understand that it took me a while to really let go of being me and put being a character and then once I did that, I realized I can do it. But, you know, comics are so used to like going on stage and talk. I'm used to being on this podcast, talking to you guys and being me, being Paul, just this me shooting the shit, talking. And now all of a sudden you got to turn into this guy, let's say, you know, fucking Ed. And now you're Ed and Ed works in a deli and he's really pissed off that he ended up in a deli. So he's got to have a little bit of anger and bitterness to him, but still be nice to the customers. Now be that guy. And once you can just let go of you and do that. So anyway, not to get too much into it, but it was really cool to have a guy be like that and cool. Because I'm thinking if that guy was like an asshole or if that guy was like, oh, yeah, I saw you, your thing yesterday. Not, not, not bad. And just like walked away or something. Now you're like, oh, shit. And I heard that like back in the 80s, there were people that was, were dicks. You know, Um I probably shouldn't say this uh, out loud uh, on a podcast and especially because the dude is in comedy, but you know what? He's older and I guess he earned me saying this, but, and it's known and it was talked about on his roast, but like they say back in the day, somebody like Chevy chase and it sucks to say, because I love Christmas vacation. I'll watch it a million times every year, but it says like, like a dude, just not nice, difficult to work with kind of an ass. And you're like, fuck Chevy chase. Come on, man. And it's like, so I couldn't imagine, but now you can't do that. Now, now people won't, you know, I talked to this one dude who has a TV show and he said the coolest shit to me ever. He goes, if one person on the set of my TV show is mean to somebody else, unkind to somebody else, acts like an asshole, fired on spot, fired on spot. You treat another actor like shit. You treat somebody like shit. You make somebody feel less than or not worthy or whatever. Fired on spot. Get off the set. You're out. You're fired, man. I was like, oh, that's gangster. You know, that's gangster. So um, so there you go. That was a little cool story that I had that I, I got to I got to sit next to this monster and um and have them kind of really like what I did and say it was good. And it really lifted me up, man. It lifted me up during a stressful time. It lifted me up when you're trying to be good and you're with somebody that does it for a living. You know, it would be like, you know, 
a new stand-up comic coming up, like doing a show, like there, you know, and then having somebody go, "Hey, man, good stuff, really funny." It lifts you up. You need that. You need that in life. And going back to the parents, you got to do that to your kids because you do that to your kids, they'll root for the same teams you root for. Boom. I'm ending the show with that. How about that? So, um, there you go, everybody. This has been uh, TVE. Five five nine. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm gonna be back next week in studio, and uh, and then those will be the last ones of the year. So I hope everybody has a good time with their families during the holidays. I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody is happy. Um, there you go. Enjoy football, the World Cup. I'll be back next week. Check out all of my dates: Toronto, the 28th of January; Gotham, February 2nd and 3rd. I'm coming to to Pittsburgh. Uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Bring your date. Bring your girl. Let's pack that place out. It's only one show. I'm coming to Denver. I'm coming to Utah. I'm coming to Florida. I am coming to Salt Lake City. I'm, oh no, I said Utah. I'm coming to, what's the other one? What's the other one? Oh, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, Austin, Texas. Coming to Austin, Texas. I'll be back at the Vulcan. All that. PaulVersey.com. Check out the Anything Better podcast with Myself and Bill Burr, uh, also our uh, Bet MGM segment. We do our NFL preview. Please keep liking, subscribing to the Verzi Effect podcast. Enjoy next week's guest. I'll be back there with a couple of guests. And until then, I'm out of here. I love you guys. You guys are the best. Let's go. Mm-hmm.